Hello and welcome to the Kick in the Creatives podcast, hosted by myself, Sandra Busby, and my fellow creative, Tara Roskell, offering you interviews, inspiration, motivation, and a gentle prod in the right direction. And for lots more information, challenges, and other useful tools to help you get creating, you can go to www.kickinthecreatives.com. And of course, this is where you can also find today's show notes. Enjoy the show. Welcome to today's episode where we're going to be looking at ways to improve your drawing skills. But before we get onto that, first of all, we just want to thank a few people who recently left some really lovely reviews for this podcast on iTunes. So our really good friend Youngman Brown, aka Mike Young from the Your Creative Push podcast, Carrie Brummer from the Artist Strong website, also Bradley Bergen and Belinda Larmore from our Facebook group. It really does mean the world to us, Tara, doesn't it? And, you know, to read reviews like that. So thank you all so, so much. Um, Also, thanks to everyone who's been sharing the work they've been doing for the challenges. We're way too early to comment on the March ones just yet because we're recording this on the 6th of is it sixth today? It is, isn't it? Yeah. But um, Tara, did you see that face that Karen Thornton painted on a used tea bag for the February Faces Challenge? Yeah, I did. She, she did a few, I think, didn't she, on tea bags? Yeah, I thought that was such a nifty idea. It was really, really good. Yeah, and um, Gabriella Pop, she's still not slacking at all on that kick. 365 challenge and uh, she's been doing a self-portrait every single day and they are looking more and more fluid every week and I'm really really enjoying watching her progress with that one um have you been watching her yeah what I loved that she did um in February faces was she did her self-portrait but then she took a prompt each day which might have been totally irrelevant to her self-portrait but made it really quirky and fun so yeah, now she gave herself a beard, it. didn't she? Because it was a yeah, woman's yeah, beard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I think, isn't she doing the five-minute march? So she's doing five-minute portraits at the moment. So she's yeah, kind of but, making all the challenges work yeah. for this one thing. It's been really, really good to watch. Yeah. So what about you? What's caught your eye? Uh, there was quite a few, actually. Um, I really love Mary Soldner's... I don't know if I'm saying that right. Mary Soldner's watercolour faces. Did you see those? Yeah, yeah. Love those. And Sophie Knight, she'd done some great pencil drawings. But I especially loved her collage face. She did this face where she made it all out of bits of magazines, but then she put um, some kind of brush pens over the top. It looked amazing. I thought that was lovely. Uh, and then Rebecca Waterman's faces, she's done kind of faces within faces. I really like oh, those. Yes, I've been watching those. They're really interesting, aren't they? fantastic and also Moonlee Fong Whitaker she's been doing watercolour faces and they are amazing as well but there's been so many more hasn't there really has yeah some fantastic stuff as you know I love the faces one anyway so yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so what's been happening with you uh, well, I'm making really good progress on my latest painting. So that was inspired by my recent trip to Cuba. Um, I'm well into my mid layers now, so hopefully it won't be long until it's done. Um, I've also finished editing our children's story, which we were talking about actually before we started recording, weren't we? Um, 
which Tara and I wrote together for last year's February Fables Challenge. So all that's left to do now is just go over punctuation and speech layout. And uh, that's where my sister, Amanda, has been so helpful. She, she's the left-brained one of the family. <laughs> so she, she also reads absolutely tons of books and she works with children. So she seemed to be the perfect person to help me check over it before we do anything with it. And uh, she's picked up on things that you and I would never have noticed so she's been really really helpful with that um so once that's done it's just a matter of deciding really whether to self-publish or try the traditional route but we haven't quite decided yet have we but on the subject of writing books I don't know if I told you this Tara but um I was really chuffed to hear from Paul's auntie Jean recently now she had listened to our recent episode on are you ever too old to start making art and she said that she'd been so inspired by that episode that she'd finally decided to start writing her autobiography which she'd been meaning to write for years and she's even joined a writing group to help her on her way so it's so lovely to hear when people are inspired by an episode um her only problem now, of course, is that I'm going to be on her case regularly to make sure she's actually doing it. <laughs> so what about you, Tara? What's new with you? Well, was she writing before? Did she do a lot of writing no. or anything? No? No, but she has had such an interesting life. She really, really has. And, uh, yeah, she, a lot of people keep saying to her, you really should write an autobiography. And, and she did say to me what worries her is the fact that, you know, her long-term memory is not very good and her short-term memory is really good whereas I'm the other way around my long-term memory is really good but my, if you ask me what I had for breakfast yesterday I wouldn't be able to tell you <laughs> so um yeah she's worried about that but I said to her the thing is where you want to start is just she said I don't know where to start I said well start with where you were born and then just as you remember things just Jot them down in note form and you'll find that when you jot one thing down, it'll remind you of something else that you'd forgotten about. And just treat it like that to begin with. And then once you've sort of jotted down everything you remember, then that's when you start putting it together as an autobiography. Yeah, you know, just do your so. bullet points, isn't it? First, exactly, yeah, yeah. Just really simplify it to begin with. You haven't got to write a story. It's just no. it's just stuff that you remember and then decide what's what's worth writing about, you know? But it's nice that somebody's been inspired. I was, I was really chuffed to hear yeah, that. Yeah, really good. Um, so what's new with me? Well, first of all, what's new with both of us is our Art Kick Sundays are now out. Um, we've been having absolutely loads of fun uh, making them. So I hope you have fun watching them. But each week, we're going to bring you our own unique take on art tips, tutorials, ideas and products. Uh, so if you want to make sure you don't miss one, then go over to our YouTube channel, which is just Kicking the Creatives, subscribe and also hit that little there's a little bell icon and that means that you get notified every time we put a new video up so yeah i say we'll be teaching you all different things but we are being quite nuts <laughs> maybe maybe is the right word do you think sandra nothing nothing new there then no no so <laughs> at the moment as well the ones that have been shown you said to me the other day didn't you you texted me saying yeah oh the way we've done this the the uh I can't remember what you said. Um, I'm looking more of a moron. At the, you, yeah. at the moment, I'm the moron, you said. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's great. I don't mind you being the moron yeah. <laughs> for a but change. We, we have got some of you looking really peculiar coming up, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we can wait for those. Um, yeah. I, I've also been taking part in, well, I took part in the February Faces, which I absolutely kind of loved. Um, I thought I found a style that I really liked doing. But when I tried to do it more... 
I, I didn't like it. It's one of those where, you know, you do your first one or two and you like them. And then you try more and you think, oh, I don't know if I do like it now. But I'd really want to find, I really want to find a kind of a non-realistic face style, if that makes sense. I, I just... I think you already have. I don't I want to always do know what yours... Yeah, but I always like, when I'm going through the group and I see your stuff coming up, I always know what's yours straight away. I know, but what I mean is not that you know it's me... I mean, oh. I want to... Did you see the sort of kind of don't... Well, I called them my donut style. <laughs> 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 well, it was kind of uh, semi-abstract faces where they had sort of circles and stuff. Did you see any yeah. of those? Yeah, 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 yeah. We see, that is what I kind of mean. Something where mm. I've not just drawn a face. Um, you could, it's not just that you can recognise it's mine, that it's kind of got that a certain sort of look about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm. and that's that's what i'd read but i haven't found it yet but that's what i'd really like to do uh this month i'm doing five minute march our challenge to do a five minute sketch and i love that because as you know i love time sketches um and something really daring do you want to know what i did that was really daring go on i used the other side of my sketchbook <gasps> yeah no. i know oh i never gosh. do that but i, I worked <laughs> on the reverse side yeah so you didn't get any bleed through then no, because it was quite a thick paper. It's a mixed media. Well, it's a watercolor book actually, so yeah, fairly thick. Um, yeah, the only thing, the only thing about doing that is when you do a really good sketch one side, and then you turn it over, and then you do a terrible sketch the the other side. You can't tear the page out because <laughs> no. you you've got. But then then if you try and put collage over it or something, then <laughs> then the thing the it buckles, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, if I did a really good sketch, I wouldn't draw on the other side. But you know, if it was I just see. yeah, right. if it was just one, I think yeah, meh, you know, I'd, I'd draw yeah. on the back of it. So that was quite a breakthrough for me. Yeah, yeah, and also some more really exciting news. Uh, that that is, I got a new pencil sharpener for Valentine's Day. <gasps> no. This <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, I asked, I asked for God. it though. Tracy Dukes in our group. <laughs> I've been wanting a good pencil sharpener for ages. And Tracy Cheeks and her group mentioned a, a Derwent Superpoint. Uh, it's oh, one I've like, got one of those. Yeah, it's like a hand crank thing. Oh, no. No, I haven't got one of those. Uh, it's like, you know, you get like electric ones, but this one's got a hand crank, so you can handle thingy. So yeah. it's quite expensive for a pencil sharpener, about 20 quid. But it was my, valent me. my Valentine's gift. So, yeah. Oh, Kevin, what did Kevin, you get, Kevin? <laughs> Some cycling shorts was so romantic. <laughs> well, actually, here's a running sort of running legging thing, <laughs> whatever you call it. Both, both yeah. pencil sharpeners, I, I've basically. Got I've got I've got a pencil sharpener that makes a really good point. It's got kind of two two things. It's got one that sort of basically sharpens it, and the other that makes the pen the the actual lead part really, really um, you know, really pointy and long. Yeah, it's quite good. Well, this but, piece is really uh, pointy and long, I, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> not not, not, not running short. <laughs> I, I do think as well, it's, it's like, I remember when Paul came home once and he came home and he said, I've got you a present. Yeah. And I went downstairs, oh, what have you got me? And he got me this giant toilet roll. That's what it looked like. And it was basically a giant roll of lint-free rag stuff that yeah. I can use for my painting. And I, I was absolutely chuffed to pieces. <laughs> and, you know, I did say to him, you know, most... Most husbands bring back flowers and I get a giant toilet roll. But that, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> I don't yes. want flowers. Funny, I want a giant it? toilet roll. Yeah. yeah. 
That's like Kevin yeah. brought me back Sharpies once, a pack of Sharpies that were on sale. I was like, wow. Who yeah. said romance is I dead? I know. <laughs> so I suppose we better go on to today's episode, hadn't we? Yeah? Yes. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about ways that you can improve your drawings. Of course, as with anything, the key to improvement is practice. But there are things you can do to help speed up your progress. We share some of our ideas and also add some of your suggestions. Yeah, and as I've spoken about before, sometimes we can have so many art materials to play with that it can be overwhelming and the choice can almost become a hurdle in itself. So when it comes to just practising, keep it simple with just some basic materials. So aside from a sketchbook, if your choice is a pencil, then I would suggest a 2B pencil because that's a good all-round tone and mark maker. But my own personal preference these days is to practice with a simple biro because it doesn't smudge, you don't need a sharpener, you don't need fixative, it's just a really simple way of doing it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you need fancy stuff either, but some things do make a difference. Like you mentioned the 2B pencil there. I think if you do start off with something that's totally unsuitable, it does hinder you sometimes. Because I remember oh. I've tried to learn to play the guitar and I, I still can't play the guitar very well. But when I started, I was on this, uh, bought this probably about 100 quid guitar, might have been 50 actually. And uh, Oh, it was so hard. It was awful. And it always sounded terrible. And then a few years later, I bought a better one. And it's like, oh, my God, this is so easy. And I think if I'd have had that guitar at the start, I'd have been much more encouraged um, to keep going and to practice more. So I think even just a simple thing as instead of going for your bog standard pencil, like you mentioned, buy a 2B, which that's not much, is it, for a pencil? I don't know how much pencils cost now. How much pencils cost? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure you can go to WH Smith and get them for about 20p probably. They're, yeah. they're not expensive but yeah, at all. Even, even just something as simple as that, I think, yeah. can can actually help. Not, not going to great expense or anything, but some little things do help. Um, oh, yeah. But but like you say, when, once you get a little bit more confident, using something like a pen or, for me, I love my brush pen, it makes you commit to your marks then, doesn't it? Once you get a little bit more confident and it stops you being hesitant. I think beginners quite often tend to be really hesitant with their lines and, and daren't put them down for fear that they're going to make a mistake. The thing is with a biro as well, though, you can just make really faint lines. So you don't have to, you know, you, your brush pen, you can't put a faint line down, can you? No, it's black you and bold. Yeah. Whereas a biro, I find that you can just map out little outlines without actually, you, you are committing, but you're just mapping it out if you like and yeah. you can then go over with your darker lines so that's why I quite like that I was actually in the dentist yesterday Paul had a, an appointment I had to go and um I had to well, I don't know why I was there actually I just went along with him and waiting <laughs> in the waiting room and I was I ended up getting really bored I was like oh god what am I gonna do and I had an envelope in my bag an old envelope what, an eyeliner knowing you <laughs> an eyeliner <laughs> no I don't I don't carry my eyeliner around I promise <laughs> but I did have a biro pen and I was like oh god this waiting room is so uninspiring there was a a sofa across the room with a cushion on it and I just started drawing this cushion and then added the arm of the sofa and then I thought oh I'll draw a person um from my imagination obviously that one didn't go so well but it just killed the time but it was just the fact that I had a pen and an old envelope in the back of my bag yeah funny thing is as well is when it's when you sketch like that quite often you'll find the sketches are, are quite good better than maybe they would be because you're not trying. Yeah, <laughs> you, you're uninhibited, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you're doing it just for the hell of it because you're bored. You're not doing it to think, oh, I want to do a nice sketch in my sketchbook. 
Yeah. But I always think with like, you know, you were saying about pens. Mm. I think with a brush pen, obviously you can go, I did one that went hideously wrong the other day. But I, I don't know if you saw my man with a nose in the wrong place. Oh, no, I didn't <laughs> see that one. Yeah, he was very wonky. Um, but it was sometimes I think if you do put a line in the wrong place, just put the right one near it. And sometimes it even adds to it. I, I sometimes kind of like the quirks like that. Oh, I do. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I actually really love looking at sketches where you see the um, kind of base lines, if you know what I mean, the faint yeah. lines, to see the workings out. And and often, you know, when I see artists draw their sketches and they rub out those lines, I almost think it's a shame because I quite like that. It kind of adds an energy, I think. Yeah. But one of the keys, I think, to improving your art quickly is to draw regularly. So if you draw just a little bit every day, even just for five or 10 or 15 minutes it's so much better than just drawing for a couple of hours once a week I mean I suppose it's a bit like the gym isn't it little and often often gets better results but I mean if you think about our five minute march I mean that is so valuable so valuable but if you were just to sit down on a Sunday and draw for three hours I think that's less valuable in a way what about you what do you think yeah I mean the five minute march uh, you're saying the weird thing is as well I don't just sit down and do one five minute drawing I end up doing three yeah. Which which is great because you you, you sat down and you, you committed yourself to five minutes. Yeah. And it's all about that practice thing, isn't it? It's like once you start, oh, well, I might as well do a couple more. It's still only 15 minutes, isn't it? You, you've not spent hardly any time. If you commit to five minutes, what will happen is you'll do your five minutes and then think, oh, actually, I'll do a bit more. And you, you almost never end up just doing five minutes, do you? Yeah. Even if it's a separate drawing or if you decide to carry on with, you know, yeah. put more detail into it. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say about the gym, I used to have this boss, I don't know if I've told you this before, um, and she used to not do any fitness at all, but then she used to go to like two or three fitness classes in a row. Oh, God. <laughs> she'd, she'd come back because, yeah, it was her company, and she'd be knackered, but then she'd, am I allowed to say knackered? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's rude. Um uh, we might get banned on iTunes. Um, and then she'd skip it for a week or two. And then she did the same again, like a week or so later. It was it was madness. Oh, um, yeah, that is bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we, and t time drawings, like we just said, I'm going a bit all over the place here. But time drawings, um, not only do, does it get you going, but it stops you worrying about detail. For me, it's like, if, I, if I'm doing five minutes, I'm not worrying about, oh, there's a tiny little, you know, bit of detail a bit of fur there I'm just thinking big um, and you can start off with whatever time makes you feel comfortable like start with 15 minutes gradually work it down and you know decrease the time yeah and I think that depends on the individual though because as you know Tara yeah. I hate time drawings yeah and for me they they just they increase the pressure and I have to relax to be able to draw really well um it's really weird it's like it's like with maths or anything like that. I can know, an, I can, if somebody gave me the most simple sum, if, because they've thrown it at me, I, I literally go blank. I can't answer it. But in my own time, if I just thought, oh, what's this? I'll know. It's really, yeah. well, it's just a pressure. I don't work well under pressure at all. I hate, I hate that. But, um, but for some people, obviously that really is a good, you know, a good thing to do. It really works. And I know you love it. Um, but one of my own suggestions, which I'll often do myself, is to draw the same subject over and over again in different positions, all on one page. And hands are really good for this because they're really quite tricky to get right. And so you can learn a lot from mastering them. 
Um, but I've got pages I have in my sketchbook of um, seated figures, feet, noses. And it's a really great way of getting to know a subject as well. And it comes in really handy as when you're um, drawing from your imagination. Because if you've done pages and pages of feet, you kind of get to know how they are in, in a certain position. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think as well, if you don't want to just like have your sketchbook and do say loads of hands one day you could pick a subject for the whole month almost like we did with like February faces say for example yeah um so you could set your own challenge but maybe for a month you're drawing hands you might only draw one hand a day um and what I think your confidence will grow I know when I did the February faces the first year do you remember I hadn't been drawing long last year when we did it not not by hand no um and by the end of it I really felt confident and I didn't think I was going to enjoy drawing faces, but I really, really did. I think picking a subject like that as well, you can experiment. You don't have to stick with drawing every single one in, say, pencil. You could do some in biro. You could do some in line and wash. I think you can kind of keep it interesting by mixing up a little bit that way as well. I I love drawing bits of body. (laughs) (laughs) Don't go into that anymore. (laughs) bits of body more than I do entire figures it's really weird and I I do draw a lot of hands and I don't know what it is because I think I mean I've heard so often oh hands are so difficult to draw and I suppose they are but when you've drawn a lot of them they kind of get easier and easier but you can say a lot with a hand gesture (laughs) (laughs) you can say an awful lot with a hand gesture Especially if you're annoyed, <laughs> annoyed yeah. with someone, you can just draw a hand just No, but what I mean, I, I mean, I've got hands shaking each other and holding each other's hands and linking little fingers. And it's just that the shapes are really fascinating. And I don't know, I just love it. But yeah, so my my um, sketchbook is just full of these bits of body. And I think when I went to Cuba, I said last time, didn't I, that in my sketchbook, I had like a toe yeah (laughs) that's weird (laughs) instead of drawing somebody laying on the sunbed actually I did I did a few of those but (laughs) here's a toe lying on the sunbed (laughs) (laughs) yeah do you know what I was gonna say right what is weird about hands like people say hands are really hard to draw and for me if I was to draw a hand like say I stick my hand out in front and drew that that would Mm. be fine hands are hard when they're attached to something (laughs) that sounds really bad doesn't it (laughs) I mean, attached to a person, not attached to anything. In, a, in its entirety. Let's leave it there. Let's leave it there. <laughs> yeah. well, you know what I mean? Like, do you remember when we were in the um, in the museum in London, and I drew the six fingered statue? Oh yeah. oh yeah, I do remember that. Was so funny. Yeah. It was like Edward Scissorhands. Because we were doing time drawings, weren't we? And I was getting a bit. Oh. I've run, out, I've run out of time, so it can have six fingers. Yeah, but yeah. I think that's because you were you were drawing. See, now this is where I'm different in sketching because you were drawing each individual finger in that sketch, weren't you? Whereas I would have just done the overall shape of the hand. Maybe. Yeah, but it was but it was kind of because I was doing it so quick. I just didn't got think carried that. got carried away, and it was hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it was hilarious. It was one sketch you did you showed me, and I couldn't say, "Oh, that's <laughs> great!" I just you had laugh. to laugh. <laughs> so funny the rest of it was all right it was the The rest of it was brilliant (laughs) no but practice drawing um as much as you can obviously but also practice drawing from life as much as you can like tara and i did in that museum you know it's so different than drawing from photographs it really really is and photos are great to use 
as an added reference because they'll freeze the light um, and the shadows and the reflections and they're also great for practicing things like figures but try not to rely on them all the time because they can distort perspective and also values and it's funny I was reading something um, the other day and I can't remember I can't remember where I was reading it but oh I yes I can it was a, I, actually it's in a book I've got God, I <laughs> you were reading something in a book I wow. was yeah it was in a sketch a sketching book I wish I could remember who who wrote it, but he came up with some really, really valid points, actually, when it came from drawing from life. And he said, um, I wish I could remember who it was. Anyway, he said that basically because of the Internet now and because of Google Earth and all these things that we've got on our iPads, people who draw from life are so, so valuable because there'd be a lot of artists now and sketches who will go onto Google and think, right, I want to draw a person drinking a cup of coffee. So they'll go onto Pinterest and um, and they'll draw a person drinking coffee that whatever person comes up. Or um, they want to draw, I don't know, a, um, a building of some sort, maybe a castle or something. So they'll go onto Google Earth and they'll look at a castle and they think, right, I'll draw that castle. And what he's saying is that basically in hundreds of years to come, there's going to be an awful lot of documentation by artists that are documenting the same photograph of an era. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he said what you, what can the most valuable art that we can produce now is going out on foot and drawing things from life, from your own perspective, rather than from the perspective of the person who photographed it 10 years ago or whatever, and it's now on, on Google. Because... Because of photographs now aren't even printed anymore, really, are they? They're kind of all on USB sticks. You kind of, we're running out of those really valuable things, those documents that actually show how something really was in lots of different people's views. Do you see what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, we're getting copies of photographs, which is kind of what I'm doing with faces because I would love to draw faces from reality all, Mm. all the time sort of thing. Yeah, but it's like I can draw mine. <laughs> I can draw yeah. partners, but I can't get somebody every day to come and come and sit for me. Well, I probably no. could, but it'd be tricky, wouldn't it? Sort of thing. People, people are harder, but just going out in life and drawing, you know, what's around you, even if it is your coffee cup in Costa Coffee or whatever, it's your own photo. It's, well, it's not yeah. your own photograph. It's your own perspective of that. It's your your own experience of that moment. Yeah, Rather I like than, to do a mix, yeah. Yeah and, yeah, and I think it is so, so true what he was saying. Photos, I mean, they're really, really good for practice. You cannot beat, you know, going on to, to Google and saying, right, uh, images of faces, please. It's brilliant for that. But just try not to rely on it. And also photographs, they can distort the perspective and also the values. And the colour's almost never completely true in a photograph. Um, for my paintings, I often refer to both both a photo and a still life setup. So, as I said, the photo will freeze the light, um, but there's a depth to a life setup that a camera just doesn't seem to be able to capture. Um, I mean, there are obviously times when I can't paint from life. Um, I once painted a raw egg, for example, and obviously I couldn't leave that hanging around my studio for three days. Um, things like marbles, I mean, they're just way too small for me to see the detail that I want to see um, but things like glasses you know glass of what I'm doing now um, includes a glass of rum and 
you know, that's set up in a shadow box. And yeah, I've got a photograph of it as well because I do want to make sure that the shadows are totally where they were. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'll refer to both. Do you find that shadow box, I know that's a new one you got Christmas, yeah. do you find that it's still being affected by the outside light as well or not? Yeah, they do. It freezes the light to a degree. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, obviously because the front's open, there's always yeah. going to be a difference. So yeah. that's why I always take a, take a photograph as well. But yeah, there's there's a place for both. I think photographs are very very useful and very. But the thing is as well, you you can actually also freeze the light and the reflections by sketching. Yeah, so I, I, I do wonder. Around. So would you do when you do the sketching bit? Hmm. Would that be from life? Because obviously, when you're just sketching, you're not putting in the shadow. It's more the outlines and stuff, isn't it? And the shapes. Well, I don't know. I don't know how you do it for oil painting. <sighs> I'm or going is it back to a big. I'm going back to paintings I did. I did a big series of bears years and years ago, yeah. um, and I remember I always used to obviously rough out the outlines of where they were first of yeah. all before I did anything, um, and then once I'd roughed out my outlines, then I would go over with charcoal and I'd I'd put I basically do a tonal sketch. And it yeah. was the full size, the same size as a painting. I'd do a, a tonal sketch. I never had shadow boxes that are then, back then at all. So I had to rely on a charcoal sketch. So um, I'd basically fill in the darks, the um, even darkers and the even darker than that's, and then leave out the lights and the midtones. And, and yeah, and then I'd have my big charcoal sketch alongside my painting so that even though I had the life set up in front of me. Yeah. I would refer to that sketch to for always where the shadows were. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. And now, quite often, I'll do that with a painting. I'll I'll do a tonal painting first. So I'll start with underpainting. Yeah. But I will lift out the highlights, and then I'll go over again with the darks, and then I'll just basically have my basic tonal map, and then I'll work over that with the colour. Do you start your drawing straight with a brush? I'm <laughs> going off track here. Just curiosity. <laughs> Do you start with a brush? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. not all the time. Sometimes it's very, very... Uh, like, um, with my glass painting, like my glass of rum, that sort of thing, then I will quite often use a pencil first and then I'll go over with a brush to sort of fix the pencil marks because there's so many highlights I want to capture and I don't want to obliterate. Um... But no, with something more simple, I mean, I'm trying to think quite often, like with uh, marbles and things like that, obviously I want, I need my circles to be very, very, you know. Do you draw on a glass? No, 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 no. I, they are all freehand. Oh, that was a joke because of my video. <laughs> no, they're all freehand, but then I'm always correcting and correcting as yeah. I go. I, I actually can draw circles really well because I've drawn so many marbles, you know. This, I think it's a knack to it, isn't it? Yeah. But no, so, some things I'll just um, I'll just draw straight away with a brush. Depends what mood I'm in as well, really. It really does. Yeah. And how intricate the actual thing I'm drawing is. Don't know where we are, do you? No. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. I do. Uh, so another idea is don't shy away from drawing the things that you think will be hard. If you start with those things, the rest will be much easier. But I always think, yes, do that, but don't do anything that makes you miserable, as that will completely defeat the object and end up discouraging you. So I have a bit of a love-hate relationship. I've mentioned this to you before, Sandra, with drawing buildings. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I quite like drawing a really simple building, but I don't like anything too complex with too many windows or I find myself getting bored. So I have to find that balance there. So try and find that balance where you push yourself, but it's not so much that it's going to you know, frustrate yourself and you're going to get annoyed and fed up and not want to do it anymore, I think. Oh, yeah, and I think sometimes you do have to face those initial fears of something you you don't like to draw you don't like the idea of drawing because you think it's going to be difficult because you can really surprise yourself as well but the thing is you're actually really good at drawing buildings I don't I don't want to draw draw buildings because I've never been interested in drawing but I really probably should because yeah. of that because I yeah, just you don't try one when we mm. go to London next time we are going to draw a building oh god you're going to take me to the houses <laughs> of parliament aren't you <laughs> no because I don't like loads of windows so why would I take you there <laughs> Do you remember you told me to, why didn't I draw still life? Yeah. And then I was going, I hate still life. And then I drew on holiday. I did loads in Devon. Yeah, you did you things like the, yeah, you did things like the, the lamp in the corner of the room yeah. and a couple of books. Yeah. And I actually quite enjoyed it, but they were very, very loose, loose and sketchy. But it's one of those things where you think you don't like something, but maybe you just don't like the way you're drawing it. So before, if I'd have done something like that, maybe I'd just pick up a pencil and I'd have tried to do like a nice tidy pencil sketch, <laughs> which obviously you can tell from what I was saying, I don't like a I nice think, tidy pencil sketch. No, I think as well, it depends how you look at a still life. I think people automatically, when they look think about a still life, they think about oh, well, I need to put a vase here and maybe a flower in it and then put, I don't know, a cup and saucer next to that with a spoon. And and it's kind of a very contrived image that you set up. And I don't know why people think it has to be like that. A still life can be the corner of your room or the in, the contents of your medicine cabinet or, you know, it, it can be anything. And it doesn't have to be set up. It's just finding an interesting... I mean, I'm looking around the room I'm in at the moment and there's a some hooks on the wall and I sometimes sometimes I look at this and think oh that would make a cool sketch and it's just got like an old straw hat hanging off of one of the hooks and some scarves and but it's not I haven't set it up it just happens that it's like that and that could yeah. be an interesting thing to draw yeah it doesn't have to be a contrived image at, at all and it doesn't have to be this tight tight no. drawing does it it can no. be you know a quite loose which which i was doing very loose mm. and just applying a bit of watercolor but not even a watercolor as in a proper painting it's just like apply a little bit of color isn't it do you know when i was doing the foundation course at that yeah. college thing or what i did you'll laugh at this so part of the um i think really the way they should have done it with me is they should have said right you've got this sketchbook you've got to fill that sketchbook in one day <laughs> that's what they needed to do <laughs> because what they'd say is right we want you to sketch um the corner of a room yeah on this page or whatever and then then we want you to sketch blah 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 and blah 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 so what i would do is i'd sit is that in a day um, find... how long did they give you to do that no they just give you basically they'll give you this homework and say yeah. right and they'll, they'll you'll bring it home and it'll say sketch the corner of the room so what i would do is i would sit find a corner of my room and think oh Actually, perhaps I ought to tidy that up a bit. <laughs> and, oh, if I add that as well, that's nice, blah, blah, blah. And then I'd sit there and I'd do this really careful drawing of the corner of my room. I remember once doing, um, I think it was a bookcase, I was doing all the grain and the word and I was trying to, you know, write the words along the book binding and all this stuff. And then when I sent it, sent the work in, I'd um, mount, 
I'd mount the sketch oh on a God. black background and put yeah. it in a... And I remember getting getting my feedback back. Why on earth have you have you mounted <laughs> your sketch? It's a sketch. It's a means to end. We don't want you to try so hard. We just want you to just scribble it down, what you're seeing in a, in a few minutes and yeah. not worry. And it took me ages to get that. It really did. Because I, I suppose I just wanted to draw. I love drawing, so I just wanted to do the best I could. But that's not really what sketching is about. And that's that's the whole part. You love part. detail, don't you? You like clearly. You love detail from what you paint. Um, mm. That isn't no. Well, I, I think you do. I wish I didn't. Yeah, so I wish you loved, I didn't. That, that's why you had the problem with with it being looser yeah. because you wanted to draw, yeah. like you said, the wood grain. You wanted to put all the yeah. detail in. And I'm much more experimental now. It's like we were saying earlier, actually, before we started recording, when we were talking about sketch I did, I sent you, I said, didn't I say it something like... It was good. Yeah, I sent you something like, yeah. how much do you think I've had to drink? Yeah. <laughs> I'd just drawn this woman with this rollerball pen and um, it was she was kind of looked really drunk, didn't she? But she, in a good way, yeah, I yeah. think you took it wrong, what I meant. I, I meant the fact that you'd drawn something like that for a start. yeah. Meant you must have had a joke <laughs> because you'd loosened up and you know no, you done I was, something. I was pleased. I was pleased <laughs> when you said because I took it as a compliment because um I and to this day I really like that that I like drawing that too. and yeah. it's it's just so unlike anything I would normally do but I really like it. So had you you hadn't drunk at the time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I had had a couple. I think. Yeah. <laughs> No, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should just drink and draw. No, but, well, we tried that, haven't we? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so when it comes to drawing, practice your mark making, practice shading, hatching, stippling. Um, I mean, this is something I remembered having to do as well in that college course I did. And, you know, I at first I found it really boring. You know, you had to sort of divide the paper into squares and then you had to see how many different marks you could make with one tool. So, for instance, like a biro, and then do something similar again with another tool. And I thought, oh, God, how, you know, how can I make loads of different marks with a biro? You know, it can only do so much. But actually, you're forced to think about your mark making a lot more than you might otherwise. And it's surprising, really surprising, just how many textures and... um, you know, marks you can get with one tool, you know, like, yeah. for instance, a pencil especially, you know, you can use it on its side, you can lower it, you can up and down the pressure, and you can get all sorts of, and the same with a brush pen and things like that. So much you can do. Um, if you use your imagination, you'll, you'll just be surprised, I think, especially at the different tones and textures you can create with one single pen. And that's why I always say that you don't need anything more than a pen and a sketchbook to go out sketching because there's, uh, you know, so much you can do with that one thing. I remember doing these ink sketches when there weren't ink ink drawings of buildings when I was at school. And they're all the different local churches and stuff. And we ended up using them to make calendars or something. I can't remember. But I remember showing... He's like, I don't know why, but for some reason I had to take one into work. It was only, you know, it's one of my early 20s. And my friend, who was also a designer, she looked at this drawing and she said to me, you got bored at that bit, didn't you? Because <laughs> you know when you're like you're doing stippling or whatever for, oh, for an ink yeah. drawing? She yeah. could see, she could see I'd obviously got this one bit. I thought, I've had it with this. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it had just gone all loose and scribbly, more like I draw now probably. Yeah. Much more loose and scribbly, but... 
yeah, it is a good thing, but yes, it can be can be tedious. Oh if yeah, you do it too much, can't it? It is really really boring. <laughs> yeah, but it can be really really surprising, and I think it's everyone yes. needs to do it once with their their preferred pen or whatever, just to just to understand how they can use it in different ways. I'd even say do those little squares that you just suggested, yeah. and then actually try putting those into a drawing. So, you know, make yourself, after you've tried little marks, then create a little drawing using all those little marks. So if yeah. you're doing a building, it's easy to put all the little, you know, the dots and little mm. hatching and stuff mm. like that. Try I, 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 I know how to, I know how I always go about drawing a hedge. And it's the same mark making I use all the time, but I can make, I can draw a really good hedge. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really explain we, it. But are we going lot... back to body parts again, are we? <laughs> <laughs> there's lots of, um, Lots of uh, stippling involved, but also this other mark that I make, and I can't explain what it is, but then sometimes it'll go bigger and smaller. And But whenever I approach a hedge, I'll always approach it with the same two marks. It's funny, oh, isn't right. it? Yeah, mm. I just, I do mine with like a scribble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were saying about uh, concentrating on tone and this marks, and I'd say do that before you venture into colour. Do monotone drawings and paintings, like just in one colour. Um I remember doing that because when I was at school, I did not want to do colour. For years, I would just draw in black and white. I'd mm. love pencil sketching, almost like you, you know, really detailed pencil sketches. Yeah. And then they finally, I've told you this before, encouraged me that I had to learn. So I went to watercolour class and the first thing we did there was drew, uh, we painted a scene but it had to be all in brown. So it just, I can't remember what colour was, burnt umber or something. Um, and it just had to be using that one colour. So you'd have very, very light versions, very dark versions. And only once we'd done that and we kind of understood how to make it work in that one colour was then we moved on to, to full colour. Did you use white as well to mix in to make the lighter? No, bit? because it was watercolour. So it was, oh, just, I see, course, it was yeah. just, you know, very, very weak mm, yeah. um, watery paint for the, for the lights and mm. then obviously much thicker for the dark. We don't think we used any other colours. So we didn't bring any blues to make it darker. I think it was just that one Mm. One color. You could do that with anything, whether it's yes, yeah. uh, you know, colored pencils or with oil paints. You might need to have white as well to lighten up your color. But yeah, I think they're so valuable those tonal paintings, and that's how you would start at any college. That's how they would teach you to first concentrate on just the tone. That's it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the most common mistakes that beginners make is being afraid of the dark, and you've got to remember that the darker the darks the lighter the lights will appear. And I often see sort of quite wishy-washy watercolours and I think it's where people are frightened to be bold. And, you you know, those darks are so, so important, so you've got to be brave. Um, also, when you're drawing, look a lot more closely at things. And we, we kind of hear it all the time, don't we? Draw what you... What is it? They say, draw what you see rather than what you think you see. Oh, God, how often have we heard that? Um, but to a beginner, that might not make much sense. Um, so to explain it a bit better, you've got to try and erase from your head the label of what you're looking at. So, for example, instead of seeing and drawing a cup, look at it instead of a series of um, shapes and tones. So you'll see an ellipse, and then you'll see a series of curves, and that's how you need to look at it. The moment you start thinking of it as a cup and a handle, your brain will automatically try and draw it for you as though, you know, well, basically, as you think it should be rather than what it really looks like. And the same applies to whatever subject you're drawing. 
So one way of doing this is to practice drawing from upside down images. And this is a really great way of making you draw what you see and what not you what not you think <laughs> what not you see <laughs> and, and not what you think you it's like see. yoda <laughs> and and this is actually one of our quick kick challenges coming up later in the year but so valuable to do that yeah isn't the one as well i don't mind supposed to say this later on but where you use a mirror as well she can use a mirror to check what's wrong with your drawing yeah which is is uh, quite strange uh, you can also try blind contour drawings and they force you to look at a subject more closely. And if you don't know what that is, basically it's when you look at your subject really closely. You know, you follow around that path of that subject, but you don't look at your paper. And quite often it looks when you've actually finished, it doesn't really look like what you're drawing because obviously, you know, things start all over the place and you basically keep your pen on the paper, don't you? Yeah. Um, but the important thing really is that you're looking really closely at whatever the thing is and I actually think sometimes these drawings actually have this real character or sort of niceness about themselves you know it's it's almost a nice quirky drawing in its own right I, I agree yeah I really do love those um those drawings and also you know the more you do it the more you'll find that it does start looking like what you're looking at <laughs> do you see what I mean yeah. so it's like a real good exercise for your hand and eye coordination I think I remember seeing this thing, actually, I think it was on the internet, and they um, had kids and adults who were artists. Uh, obviously, the kids weren't artists, but um, they somehow had some sensors on them to see what they were looking at, and the kids looked at the subject much less than the artist. And it was just to sort of see who studied it more, and obviously it's because the kids were using their imagination, yeah. just that, whereas the artists were really focused. But it was just quite interesting to see the, the amount each person looked. Yeah. And also look at the negative space in between. So that is, people sort of wonder what negative space is, I think, beginners. But it basically is the space in between objects. Or maybe it's a space, if you're looking at someone standing with their hands on the hips, it'll be the space between their elbow and their waist. That, that's what the negative space is. Um, so, for example, when you're drawing your cup and maybe there's a teapot next to it, instead of drawing the outside of the handle... Concentrate firstly on the shape of the space inside the handle and then draw the outer edge around it and then draw the shape of the space between the objects. And this applies to any subjects, like I say, figures or um, whatever you want to draw. And you'll find that you'll get an accurate drawing far more easily if you really take notice of those negative uh, shapes. I always think that really helps with uh, buildings and rooftops. Mm. You know, when you if you look more at the, this bit between the sky and the roof rather than yeah. the actual roof itself because it's it's just really hard to spot the angles and stuff otherwise yeah i mean if you try and think of it as though it was a silhouette yeah you know like if you imagine the manhattan skyline or something if you were to make that manhattan skyline completely silhouetted you're looking you're and you just draw around the top you know like exactly like you said between the sky and the buildings yeah it's such a good way, I think, of doing it because you're just looking at, you're really concentrating then on the distance between things, aren't you? Yeah, distance and angles. And angles, and yeah. yeah. So just imagine that everything you're looking at is black and just concentrate on that, that shape and that's a really good starting point. I think another really useful tool, and we were talking about this before the podcast, is to measure things by holding your pencil at arm's length. If you're drawing something real, say like you've got that cup, uh, on a table in front of you hold oh. your pencil out and you'll say okay 
the height of that cup is maybe half a pencil. And then you'll turn your pencil around and you'll think the width of that cup is maybe, I don't know, just less than half or it's a third of my pencil. And then you kind of use that as a judgment on your paper. Um, and obviously, if you're doing it from a picture, you can do the same thing. Just hold it down in your picture or hold it up to your computer or your laptop. Um, I also hold my pencil out or pen out at horizontals or verticals. I don't know if you do this, Sandra. Yeah, yeah, to get the angles. But you, just yeah. quickly, what you have to make sure is you've always got your arm yeah. outstretched. Because if you yeah. do it, if you do have your arm outstretched one minute and then the next minute, you, you know, your elbow's bent, that's not going to be right. <laughs> yeah. Say same with the like we just saying holding holding horizontal. If I'm trying to work out which angle, which way roof goes, I'll just bang my hands on the microphone. Sorry, (laughs) Um, I'll hold my pencil out horizontal and then think, okay, it is going slightly up to the right or slightly up to the left. I think that makes it a lot easier as well. And look for things that line up with other things. So, for example, when you're drawing a face, you might notice that the corners of the mouth line up with the inner corners of the eye or the eyeballs, depending on the person. The top of one building might line up to the bottom of a window on another, that kind of thing. So rather than concentrating only on the subject you're working on, keep in mind the things around it because they will help with the proportions. When it comes to sketching as well, you've got to realise that even though you might want to improve on your drawing, sometimes perfect can look a bit sterile. So don't feel like you've got to be a slave to your subject. Embrace the quirks and those imperfections. I just want to go back to you saying about uh, things lining up on the face mm. um, and just remind everybody that we've actually got a video. You uh, did a little video, didn't you, showing which elements line up on the face with what and how, how the face breaks down? Yeah, it's a very average example. I mean, obviously, everybody's face individually is different. Um, but yeah, if you're trying to draw something from your imagination, it's a great way of knowing where to put your features. Yeah. I think yeah. even if if you're not drawing from imagination, just that basic, even for me, the knowledge of knowing that the eyes fall roughly halfway in the yeah. face. If yeah. I start drawing something, I think, oh, that looks weird. Why does it look weird? And I'll think, oh, the eyes are too high up or too too low down or whatever. Yeah. I think just just sometimes those those things can uh, can help. Yeah, definitely. I, mean, I think knowing those basic proportions is always important. And yeah. thinking about the shape of the skull underneath the face as well and things like that. And and there's quite a lot of common mistakes, isn't there, when you're drawing a face that people make. The eyes are too big often, they're too high up. And that video actually would be helpful to those people that want to know a little bit more about that. Um, do you, you probably don't listen to business. Do you listen to business podcasts? I'm a geek no, and I do. I hate oh. business. <laughs> no, I, I, I no. Oh, no. I, I love geeky business podcasts and, and social media ones and stuff like that. Um, but there's a big thing they all mention, which is called just-in-time learning. Have you heard of that term? No. No. Uh, basically, what they're saying is don't, don't cram loads and loads of stuff in your head. Watch loads and loads of tutorials for things that you don't need to know yet. And I think that's a really good tip if you're just starting out and learning to draw. So... For example, say you're just trying to learn the beginnings of shading, for example, then go and watch a few YouTube videos on shading. Don't then go watch a load more on how to apply watercolours, how to do, you know, something else. Only just watch the thing just ahead of what you're trying to learn to do. Because I think we're all in danger, and I know I do this, of you just consume, 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 and watch 
20 videos and then don't actually do any of them. That's, that's very true, isn't it? And you almost feel like you are learning and do well you kind of are but you're you there's nothing like doing something to learn it <laughs> yeah I, I say and it's it's that idea of not cramming too much in and not actually putting it into practice just watch a few and I think one problem is different like you were saying before different people's teaching styles work for different people like you know like you said some people's are too complex so find people that you like that you understand and then watch a few different people just just learn just that little bit of head and what you need to know and and obviously there's also books I mean I remember as a kid I don't know about you but I used to book out every book I could get on drawing oh, at yeah. our local library mm. I was just and then we'd be borrowing ones from other local libraries you, know, you could order them so if you've still got a library that's definitely worth doing as well and secondhand bookshops amazing yeah, I love books. I've got so many art books now, it's unbelievable. I never used to have them as a kid, I just used to draw. I never used to sort of think about learning to draw because as a kid I just assumed I could. Oh, <laughs> oh I did. I used to have yeah. loads on yeah. like, how to draw a horse, how to draw a face. <laughs> no, I didn't have anything like that. No. 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 But now, oh, I, I literally love an art book. I really yeah. do. But this is interesting because, you you know, you know, I like the detail. Wait, wait, no, I wouldn't say I like it. You know how I paint. I paint with a lot of detail. And yeah. I tend to, my drawings can be fairly detailed if I get a bit lost in it and whatnot. But, um, yeah, my the books that I've got, you'd be quite surprised about, I think. All right. On my bookshelf. They're all very much um, sketchbooky stuff and really loose and free and... You know, Danny Gregory, you know, my, I love his stuff. And, and this book, I can't for the life of me, was it Dare to, I know that the book is called Dare to Sketch. That's, All right. that's what I know it's called. So, and I was reading that the other day and that's really, really good. Um, I think he's got a German name. I can't, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, can't remember what I'm talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be talking about your thoughts on tutorials. Oh, yeah. So... <laughs> But well, yeah, okay. So, so you don't even need to go to art college, do you, to learn the techniques? You don't. You don't need to do any of that these days because, you know, there is so much on the internet, isn't there? There's so much that you can get out of that. But what I was going to say was that if you are going to watch video tutorials, just be sure that the person who you're watching really does know what they're talking about because you have to remember that absolutely anybody can make a YouTube video. So if you love their drawings and that's what you're aiming for, then that's brilliant. That's absolutely great. But if it comes to something like, say, oil paintings, for example, there are certain things that you really do need to know um, and you need to make sure you're getting the right information, particularly when it comes to using things like mediums in oil. Um, so just do a little research on the artists first to make sure that they've got the experience and knowledge behind them and I'll just tell you one little example I think I might have spoken about this before when I was first starting out and I watched a tutorial on um, uh, oil paintings and uh, there was an artist who had done an oil painting but needed to do a bit of um, I don't know extra work on it and they were using acrylics and you you can't you can't use acrylics on oils you can you can't because it it doesn't it won't adhere it'll crack but of course I knew that actually when I was watching the video and that's my first time where I thought oh actually 
maybe I need to <laughs> make sure I'm learning from the right people. Doesn't matter with drawing because that's fine, but when it comes to anything like that, then of course you've got to make sure that you're you're learning the right stuff. The real technical stuff. Yeah. And yeah. well and also actually no, if, if thinking about it, if you want to learn drawing, if they're teaching you things like proportions, then they really need to know that they're telling you the right information. So just do a bit of research, um, make sure they've got the experience and knowledge behind them. Um, I mean, we're making our own videos, as we've said, and both of us have agreed, haven't we, Tara, right from the start that we will only make videos about what we know and not try and teach the things we don't. I mean, we've had conversations in the past, haven't we? You've said, oh, I'd love to do a video on this. Do you know how to do it? And I've said, actually, I'm not sure I'm confident about teaching that because I'm, I'm not confident in it myself and vice versa. And I think that's really important that we don't try and teach what we don't know. Um, yeah. Unless we really swat up and learn yeah. and study, yeah, first. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In a way, it's sort of forcing us to do something, you yeah. know, do that, isn't it? Another great way of learning to draw is um, to copy the drawings of old masters. And I've got a few books on classical drawings, and there are quite a lot of examples in there, beautiful drawings. And in the past, I've just copied them as closely as I could, and that includes all of the mark making and the shading, and that's such a great way of getting into the mind of an artist artist and kind of learning from them but there was one time I remember that I, I copied from an artist and it just didn't work it looked I found the whole process felt really really alien to me and and then I realized it was because the artist um, was left-handed so all of his strokes were going the complete opposite way of what would have come naturally to me it was Leonardo da Vinci drawing so oh, yeah. anyone anyone who's left-handed might want to bear that in mind when they're trying to copy from the masters and all the mark making because they might think oh this just feels so alien find left-handed artists and copy from them so what you should have done what you could do now is flip it yeah you, you yeah. could yeah and that would right. work yeah I, I assume it would work would it I don't know I I would assume so but yeah yeah who um, knows I'm just trying to f imagine flipping a left-handed stroke would it I don't know anyway yeah probably yeah probably um another thing is allow yourself to enjoy the process the more you do you enjoy something the more you want to do so don't get too bogged down with learning fun and excitement is just important uh, important because it pushes you on and makes you want to create more yeah and get together with someone who's at a similar level to you and push each other to do better you could even just join a local art group and I did that a few years ago and I absolutely loved it it's a great way of meeting other people um, who are into the same things and at a similar level yeah and I think if you get bored then experiment otherwise you'll find yourself quitting this is so true for me personally and if I try and draw something really realistic in pencil halfway through I'll be bored to tears and yet if I draw quickly over collage or experiment with materials I haven't tried before then I'll love it so I think you've got to work out what makes you tick is it a certain subject or a certain medium or certain style I mean there's some things to be said for actually sticking with something but there's, there's no point if if you know you're just hating it I think that's so true so so true I think it's really important to experiment with new techniques I mean it's only natural that artists styles will evolve over time and that's partly down to experience but partly because of experimenting with new techniques or subjects I mean I've got what I call a dark side and a bright side <laughs> so when I first started painting I really embraced those darker tones I did a whole series of paintings in a style that was inspired by those old masters but you know after a couple of years I just got this urge to to switch the light on and and 
and go light and bright and although my technique didn't change at all the subjects and the feel of the paintings really really did and weirdly at the moment I found myself kind of revisiting my dark side but it, it keeps it interesting I think you've got to do what you feel like doing and don't feel you've got to be a slave to what people expect that you should do and also you been sort of experimenting with stuff you don't really share online but with say doing more cartoony drawing like you were talking about the drunk lady yeah that you drew um and you do that as sort of experimental for yourself so you don't even have to share it do you those sort no. of things that you do no i share it i shared it with you yeah <laughs> But, I but, think but you do it more for fun for yourself. Yeah, and... absolutely, yeah. I, I think as well, when you've got a kind of style that you do and you sell and people kind of look at you for that, it's like my blog. I mean, my blog, I could blog every day with stuff I've done, but it would make me look like I was about 12 different artists. So on, on online, because I'm sort of selling, I, I suppose I do try and... Everything I show, obviously, is a sim is the, my style I'm, I usually do. It's my usual style, but that doesn't mean that behind the scenes I'm not having fun doing other stuff, you know. And I do think yeah. it's important. You've got you've to gotta keep things fun. So we just want to say thanks to all our Facebook group, our Instagram followers, for their tips as well. We've got loads of great tips, too many to share, but we want to share just a few of them. Oh, it's me. <laughs> about that that's right <laughs> so i've got christine agnet christon hopefully i've pronounced that right a lot of practice she said also i find if i can't get my drawing right turning it upside down or looking at in the mirror helps that's so true uh, and i've got Marsha Furman. she says just try to draw a lot and don't take it too hard if it doesn't turn out like a masterpiece not all practice will be perfect do you know something i've noticed recently what that is, if I look at, say, different artists online and I'll see a piece by someone and I'll just think, oh, wow, that is amazing. Mm. You know, they, they are the most amazing artist ever. And yeah. then I might look at some of other their, other their work and if I'd have seen another piece, I'd have just thought, oh, that's okay. So you can look through someone's feed and some pieces are like, wow, that is yeah. amazing. Yeah. But probably other people think think different things. It's just that one topic or one type of thing they do just is like wow i think some people only share their good stuff as well they don't share all of their experimental stuff so sometimes it's easy to assume that when you see an artist online and you love their work that that's that's you know it just falls off their brush or the pencil it, it doesn't mean that at all it just means that they're they're not sharing the other stuff no which is quite yeah, yeah. quite it's absolutely fine not to share it you don't have to share it at all but it does, shouldn't make you feel that you're not as good as you know you're not good because they're producing this amazing stuff because there's you know for the most part they would have produced plenty of stuff that isn't perfect yeah and I think that's what I quite like when mm. I see someone yeah uh, and I look to I think wow and I look to another bit and it's kind of more attainable and I think well yeah you know I could do that sort of thing but yeah yeah and I've got Ben King, he says, practice by drawing what you love and makes you happy. Introducing small challenges along the way, like only drawing people with Sharpie markers, for example. Make the journey fun. A good example is what I'm trying to do today. I love Spider-Man and found a challenge called Spider-Sona, where you draw your own Spider-Man. So it's what I love to draw and a challenge rolled into one. I think that's good advice. Yeah. 
And then I've got Nick Tate West, and she says, draw things you've never drawn before. You'll see those animals or objects, etc., in ways you've never seen them. And she did all those very weird creatures, the most deadly creatures. Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, loads of different um, creatures on one page. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got Emma Cavill, lots of practice. I have also found sketchbook school courses to be inspiring and informative, plus the challenges, support and encouragement from this group. Now, this is a really interesting one I'd never heard of before. It's James Penn Wiggins, and he says, something I've done that's enjoyable is to start with a light colour pencil like yellow, then move up through orange and red and black. You get to experiment with not erasing and going with a flow, as it were, but you also get to refine your picture a bit. Oh. Now, I've seen I've seen people draw with like light blue, especially kind of product designers. You know how they used to do it the old way and then go over it with black? Yeah. But nev- never that way. No, that's interesting. I've never seen that either. No. Um, I've got Christy C. Neff. I've learned a lot from YouTube artists. I've taken a few free online tutorials and combined or added skills as I went. Tutorials on shading, drawing faces, both realistic and whimsical. Tutorials on mixing colours, how to paint waves, water drops, scales on fish, etc. Each time I come across a new subject or something I've never attempted, I do a search on YouTube and eventually find an artist that has done it before. So much knowledge at your fingertips. Then I subscribe to the artists that I connect with the most. And that's a really good idea. And one thing I do want to say on that, I don't know if we kind of made it clear before, but I think it's very important to start right at the bottom. If you're learning to draw, don't miss out those fundamentals. And by that I mean learn to shade and practice that until you've got that and and then learn about um i don't know angles and and things like that don't think i want to learn to draw faces so and then immediately try and draw a face you need to first of all know how to draw an ellipse and and how to draw form and things like that so always start at the very very beginning and don't miss out any of those foundations because it'll suffer in the end if, if you do miss them out Catherine J. Maver, look for spatial relationships between negative spaces if your goal is to draw something accurately. Another one, pick a subject that intimidates you. Could be anything, hands, bicycles, horses, human figure. Buy a pack of plain 4x6 cards and draw one every day on a card for a month. Sometimes use reference, sometimes use your imagination. Another one, to help get contours of faces right, take an old-fashioned magazine and a sharpie. Just trace over the contours of the face as in the ads. It helps to give you a feel for the structure. Chopin back. One piece of advice I received was to really see what's in front of you, not what you think you see. The mug does have a circular opening, but what you see may be an oval that is tilted. And I've been practising seeing better and from the book Draw with the Right Side of Your Brain. And turning an object in a non-standard way may help you see rather than think about what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Have good you advice. got that book? I, keep I have, about actually. That. Is it it's, any good? Yeah, it's very, very good. Um, it, it, a lot of that is all about those exercises. And a lot of those we do in our challenges, you know, like the drawing upside down and the, the drawing the spaces between it. It's, but it's a fun way of doing it, I think. No, it's yeah, good. I keep hearing it popping mm. up. Yeah, there's one um, that's just a book and then that you can get an exercise book that you buy alongside it where it gives you examples and then you copy. Oh, couldn't yeah. copy. No, I know. It wouldn't be your cup of tea. <laughs> no. <laughs> Lucky 13. Have reference images of the thing that you were drawing. This won't really apply to everyone, 
but as a semi-realism painter, it's useful to have something to look at. And eventually you'll be able to draw the right shapes without the need for a reference. Just useful in general for making things look right. And we've got Mumsy Savo. Practice and forget being self-conscious. You know that, as this group taught me both. Oh, that's nice. It's nice, isn't it? Um, so we've got a, uh, our previous question, which was, the creative genie wants to grant you one creative wish, what would it be? And we've got a load of different answers. Yeah, I've got Jelly Bean D. To always have the right creative tools, be that paint, paper, tablet, ink, etc. For whatever project I want, appearing as I open a specific drawer that I keep my art equipment in. Okay, I've got Marley's Mast. To be able to not compare myself to others. I always try not to, but then I see someone else's amazing work and I can't help thinking, I wish I could do that. Jola Kedra Art. Servants, so they could do the chores and stuff, including painting the sides of the canvas, so all I had to do was paint. I've got Leela Pappenberg, and she says that after working... After working eight thirty hours, eight and a half hours, sorry, eight and a <laughs> half hours straight at my studio, that a yummy dinner is already waiting for me and my family. Oh yeah, if only. I've got Ilse and Hofvegen. Hopefully, I've pronounced that right. Um, a beautiful house on the English countryside with a conservatory where I can draw and paint, earning enough money to support myself by teaching children to cherish their creativity and enjoy drawing and by illustrating children's books. Yeah, you can illustrate as if you like. Yeah. <laughs> I think her name is Eels van Hofwagen. I think oh. it's a van. A van is like the, you know, I don't know exactly how you pronounce it. but Germ It's German or Swedish uh, or, or something? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, do you want to try it again or not? No, I'm sure she'll forgive me. It's, it's, the trouble is with these Instagram names and so on, they put the names all sort of together, yeah. squashed, so you can't quite see where the gap's meant to be, unless it's obvious. She, she's probably cursing me for getting it wrong as well. So, <laughs> so I've got Queenie CVII, and I don't know what that is in Roman numerals. My wish would be that with a thought, a fully stocked art studio with endless space that I controlled was stocked with every medium I wanted, every modern comfort food, a library, a comfort couch, a spatial desk, and she goes on like this. And basically what she wants is Doctor Who's TARDIS, but full of art supplies. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? They just <sighs> appear and it's a massive studio inside but looks small on the outside. And when you go in there, you, you go in there, but you come out more or less at the same time, even though you've been in there for hours. Oh, yes. Yes. I need a larder like that. What, just for food? What, for your snacks? Yeah, no, no, just, just <laughs> so that when I come in... Yeah. And I want to make dinner and pudding. Yeah. Then basically, I it's I have this. Um, yeah, do you watch MasterChef? And they go into the yeah, and they go into this like larder, which is like a supermarket. It's got absolutely everything. So you can go in there and think, right, what am I going to cook today? Oh, that'll do. I'll have that, 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 and that. And you haven't got to go shopping. And then you could make your dinner and make your pudding, and then you come out and you think, oh, it's still the same time. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? Do you have pudding? Then you can spend the Pudding. Oh, well, usually on a Sunday we have pudding. <laughs> Not every day, no. Sorry, notice that all I'm obsessed by is that you have pudding. <laughs> Not by I the materials. Oh, I love pudding. <laughs> oh, art materials. Well, who doesn't want that? But the thing is, yeah, it's the time thing, isn't it? Having a time machine where all those things you do that you don't really want to be doing, 
Yeah. You want to be spending your time on your actual art. Imagine yeah, perfect. that. Imagine if you could just kind of re- rewind that time and have that back to spend on your oh, on your art. Great. Amazing. Amazing. So I've got Candice Rutherford. My wish is for a week-long babysitter. This would help give me time in my studio without worrying about my two-and-a-half-year-old son messing with my art. I think that's a good idea, but I reckon 16 years would be better than one week. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't ever want to see them, basically. Ah. <laughs> I've got Moonleaf on Whitaker, and she says to cast away the devil of doubt, be gone. Oh, yes, wouldn't that be good? It'd be nice. Wouldn't that be good? Mind you, do you think you would ever improve if you didn't have any doubt, maybe? I think maybe you need a tiny little bit, but I think mm. I have it can be rather too big a it? dose, don't you? Yeah I, think, yeah, I think there's a balance. You need a bit, but not yeah. too much. Yeah. Kim Hine, she says, a never-ending art journal so that I don't have to worry about replacements and it's mixed media so I can do watercolour or acrylic paint or pastel or whatever I feel like on any given day. I've got Catherine C. Slater and she says, some more time, perhaps an extra hour slotted in mid-morning each day. Yeah, do you know what? We keep going back to this time thing. Do you know what mine would be? No. I need a few me's. I need the me that works yeah. um, so she can get on with that and do a better job because she's not constantly thinking about this at yeah. <laughs> <and> art. <laughs> I need the domestic goddess me, the one that what needs to keep the house clean and, and make dinners and things like that because, yeah, again, I kind of... I don't, I, I don't do that well enough because I'm too busy wanting to paint. And I need the me that, um, you know sees friends and family because obviously I want to do that but yeah. I often don't get the time to do that and um, then I need to be the me that paints and draws and that's the one I want to spend the most time with really yeah I don't think I could cope with that many you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you imagine can you imagine the number of texts you'd get oh, if you had more than, more than one me yeah. <laughs> I have got a Teresa Joliffe Cameron to silence voices from the past it would be better if you have no eye for colour or design. Art is a waste of your time. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of listeners who've had that and they know exactly yeah. what you mean. Why does that stick in your head rather than I know. The, the comment where someone says it's really good? I know. Oh, I've got Sarah Grace and she says a $50 gift card once a month to the arts and crafts store of my choosing. That's if she's being reasonable. But if she was going to be extravagant, her wish would be for a full ride scholarship to an art school of her choosing. Oh, yeah. Imagine. Amazing. Would be. Cheryl Martin, my wish would be to draw my granddaughters and for them to say it looked like them. Tough crowd. Or a dedicated... Or a dedicated... I was going to say desiccated. (laughs) (laughs) Or a dedicated studio. I've got Sophie Knight, and she says pencils always keep a nice, nice sharp point. She needs a Derwent sharp point pencil sharpener without <laughs> having to stop and sharpen them all the time. Yeah, put that on your Valentine's list, yeah. Sophie, for next year. <laughs> I've got Ruth Inman. I would ask to be blessed with the creativity needed to figure out how to fit all of my art supplies and a workspace into my tiny 9 by 11 room. Well, I was thinking, Ruth, you might want to go back and listen to episode 15 because that's full of advice on how to make the best of your creative space and you might find some really useful tips there. Meanwhile, we have a brand new question to ask and that question is, 
what do you do to stay creatively motivated? So what do you do to stay creatively motivated? I thought you were asking me the second time then. I thought, <laughs> I, thought I hadn't prepared an answer. Right. Oh, okay. Uh, well, well, go on then. What, 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 what do what I do? Yeah. To stay um, cre- you talk to me. <laughs> yeah. I talk to the four of you, whoever. Um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> No, I'm really good, aren't I? Um, I I draw, I take part in our challenges. That definitely helps keep me motivated. And I have to say that is true. Um, the thing that keeps me drawing most and stuff is our challenges. What about yeah. you? Oh no, you're not allowed to ask me. Yeah, I haven't you, prepared yeah. an answer either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know. Do you know? I don't feel like I need to try to stay creatively motivated. I'm always creatively motivated. I always want to create, and I think the reason I always want to is because I don't ever have enough time the time I want to create so I'm always craving it do you know what I mean yeah Yeah. so as always you can tweet us your answers at kick creatives or let us know in the Facebook group which if you haven't already joined I highly recommend you do we will put the question up there and also on the Facebook page and of course our Instagram kick in the creatives Uh, but before we go we just want to go through the challenges that we've got coming up for April Yeah, we've got Abstract Art April. So we're challenging you to create an abstract painting every day throughout the month of April. If you've never painted anything abstract before, you could try looking at everyday things very close up. Um, Think about what shapes you notice, how you could use those shapes to make an interesting painting. We've got April Poet. I know we did this in September and it was really popular. So basically we're challenging you to write a poem every day um, and share it. Everyone in September was saying, when are you going to have another April, another poet, a poetry challenge? We really want one. So we thought, right, we better do it sooner rather than later. Yeah. It was so popular, wasn't it? Um, quick Kick April. So Quick Kicks are our monthly creative challenges that you can complete in 15 minutes or less per day. So for Quick Kick April, we are challenging you to create a continuous line drawing every day throughout the month of April. You can use any medium you like, including digital, as long as your pen or other medium does not leave the paper. So an exercise like this when practiced regularly is really beneficial for your hand-eye coordination. And we've got Kick Time April, and that's our monthly challenge designed for those creatives who prefer to sink their teeth into one big project over the whole month rather than taking part in lots of little ones. It's designed for any sort of creative project. We give you a prompt and you can use it for a story, a poem, piece of art, piece of music, anything you like. And March's prompt is vintage. So don't forget to pop over to our website at kickinthecreatives.com to find out how you can take part in some of our upcoming creative challenges. And of course, there you can also subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And by the way, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would be so grateful if you'd leave us a little review on iTunes or even just a star rating if you don't have much time. And also you can now subscribe to our weekly YouTube video if you want to learn something creative every Sunday and see Tara and I making complete idiots of ourselves at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) And that's it. That's it. We're we're done for today. Yeah. Was that a long episode? I think that was, wasn't it? (laughs) No worse than usual, I don't think. I've got I've got mouth ache. (laughs) Have you? You haven't said goodbye yet. Oh okay. Yep. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you did, perhaps you'd like to share it and leave a review for us on iTunes. Back soon.
when it comes to drawing though, the other thing you've got to do is practice um, mark making. So, and this hang on a minute, hang on. Oh, are we negative space? Oh, oh, hang on. I, it's my fault. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're right. You're right. I'm looking at the bottom of the wrong page. Sorry. Uh, I'll start again. Start <laughs> <Sorry>. again. <laughs> so, yes, and talking of art materials, um, as I've spoken about before, am I on the right? No. Right, we need to edit that out. Okay. You now got to say in today's <laughs> episode, we talk about ways I know, to improve your I know. Drawing. That's what I was going to go on to. <laughs> go on. <laughs> okay. <laughs>